combat sports fans, it's time for Strong Style. Impact Media's weekly dive off the top rope into the world of professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. I am your amazing host, Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome in. I'm having a uh, pretty good day. Pretty good day. Well, just, I guess to keep it light and to keep it short, uh, let's just say... I was able to get some somewhat clarification on some things I had in the works, and I feel really good about it. We'll put it that way. And me feeling really good means we're going to have a really good show, and we're also going to have a really good show because you guys are here. And if you guys want to be a part of the show, and the way you can do that currently is to leave us a question, comment, suggestion, rating, review. You want to leave, um, I mean, gosh, it's almost Christmas time. You want to leave us your favorite dessert recipe. We'll take it. You can do so the following ways. You can email us at 3endzone at gmail.com. Fun way to do it. You can go to Facebook. When you go on Facebook, you can look for Strong Style, Impact Media, Jeremy York, any of those you should be able to find us. If you're one of those people who likes to just click on a link and listen to a show, you can go to uh, Twitter, where at Team Impact Media, you just scroll down the appropriate show. Click on it, and you can listen to it as many times as you want. There is no cap. Um, you can, if you want to follow me for show-related things and uh, not show-related things, things I just think are amusing or worth posting about, you can do so by following at TheImpact99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. You can also find us anywhere there is a podcast, anywhere you find a podcast, including... Podcast One, Spotify, and the iTunes Store. If there is a place you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find Strong Style, you let me know. And we'll change that. We'll change that and get us added immediately. We'll try to be everywhere so that you guys can access us when you want to. Now, gosh, we've got a lot to talk about. I mean, Ring of Honor Final Battles coming up. NXT Deadline, a, a non weekly event from from NXT, I mean one that doesn't happen on a Tuesday. Uh, so much to talk about, but first, let's talk about the world of mixed martial arts. And if we do so, that means let's start with the UFC. UFC Fight Night last weekend gave us Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland. As you guys know, I will talk about the fights Talk a little bit about the fights on the main card and a couple little hits here and there that, that I thought were pretty cool. Uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You could say people always count him out. Well, it's, it's, it's hit or miss. People either really, really like him or people uh, don't think he's as good as he is. Fair enough. Kevin Holland's kind of in that boat too. Kevin Holland does really good things. He's a really good fighter, really good guy. And he just is not always given the credit that he um, that he deserves either. So when you match these two up, these are two of the better welterweights in the division. And you match these guys up, you, you say, you know what, guys, you're going to fight for five rounds. Five rounds. And this fight was steady, ready, rocking. It was, it was going to go five rounds. I say was. 
because in between round four and five, Kevin Holland, somebody in his corner, called it off. Uh, he wanted to keep fighting. It, it was it was due to a, a small injury that could have gotten worse had he kept fighting. And uh, it's it's the right call. I know Kevin uh, wanted to keep fighting as as the warrior that he is. Because if it would have been Stephen Thompson, it's the same thing. But you have to err on the side of caution. And his corner just felt that it was not going to be the right call if he continued. And keep this in mind, because people people say all the time they're like oh well well his his wins or losses don't uh impact his corner so much oh they do because it impacted his payout that night him not winning means he didn't get the win bonus he didn't get the potential other bonuses you can get for you know uh submission of the night or knockout of the night or performance you know performance bonuses that's what they call them uh, he he, didn't, he wouldn't qualify for those. Now, they might have got fight of the night. And if they did that, he would have got part of that. But all he got was his show money. His Or all he got was his... Yeah, you get your show money, you get your fight money. He he got his show money, which is fine. But that means those other guys, they they uh, most of those guys in, in the corner, his trainers and such, get percentages. So why would they sacrifice their own money? If that was the case, big difference in getting five percent of ten thousand dollars and five percent of twenty thousand dollars. You got to get the point. I'm sure it was for more than that. But uh, Stephen Thompson, in my opinion, was winning this fight anyway. I I had him. I had him two rounds for sure. I had Kevin Holland one round for sure, and I had uh, the fourth. Or I had the other round. It wasn't necessarily the fourth round, but I had the other one as uh, it could have been a toss-up. I had it for Wonder Boy. The Wonder Boy ends up your winner, and it, the guy. I mean, once again, these two. I, I don't want to hear that they're they're not up to snuff. There, you know. I don't, I don't want to hear that. These two went out there and threw bombs at each other. And for welterweights, I mean, they were some stinging blows. They were taking chances. This was the main event that you were looking forward to. Unfortunate that it ends early the way it does, but it uh, it is what it is. And congratulations, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, hope Kevin Holland is able to uh, heal up and get healthy. Uh, as soon as he can, so we can see him back in there as well. What's next for Stephen Thompson? Whatever they offer him. And, you know, normally I would say, well, he's got to be in a title picture, all that. I mean, we say that all the time about Kevin Holland and about Stephen Thompson. It's whatever the UFC decides to do. I, if you want to bump him up into that, I could see that. But we'll just have to see. Uh, Co-made event, which lived up to the, the billing in my opinion as well you got Brian Barbarina against Rafael Dos Anjos RDA this was um, a really good fight uh, 
it, it does come down to the submission at the end by RDA. I mean, it, it come down to the, the, the rear naked choke there. Um, Barbarina was doing a pretty good job. His, his strikes were keeping him in it, but if you let it get to the ground, RDA is just really, really good on the ground, and he gets the job done. Fantastic performance there. Uh, Barbarina shouldn't hang his head. He was very much in that fight until then, and uh, just ageless wonder that his RDA. Wonder what he's going to do next. Uh, you had Matias. Is it Nicolau? Am I still saying it right? Or wrong? Or anyway, he took on Matt Ch uh, Snell. And Matias, a minute 44 into round number two, gets the TKO stop with the punches. I mean, he, he dropped Snell. Eh. And, uh, you know, my goodness, Matt Snell is, is no slouch whatsoever. And yet he got hit. You would have thought he got hit by a bag of bricks. It was a fantastic shot. Good for Matias. And uh, he's dangerous in the flyweight division. You've, you're going to have to watch out for Matias Nicolau. Um, up next, and the one that should not have surprised a lot of people, uh, the only thing surprising by it is how fast it was. Ty Tuavasa went up against Sergei Pavlovich. Pavlovich gets the, the TKO stoppage. 54 seconds into the fight. Let me say that again. Round number one went 54 seconds. Sergey had Ty on the ropes. He, he caught Ty with some shots that just, he, he, was, he was getting ready to go out. And the, the, the official realized that and said, you know what, I don't have to see him knocked out to know that, that he it lost this fight. And it wasn't that Ty was doing anything bad. It's just... Turns out Sergey Pavlovich hits hard. You could hear the stings of it. it he was hitting hard. People have already said Francis Ngannou versus Sergey Pavlovich. Forget if there's a belt involved or not. These are two of the hardest hitting people in the heavyweight division, possibly hardest hit, hitting in the world. Let's see those two matched up. Uh, first off, let's let Sergey enjoy this. Let's let him enjoy this. He's only 17 and 1, by the way. That's just pretty impressive. Taitu Avasa continues to be a fan favorite. He'll continue to get big fights, and he, he could potentially be right back up in contention later. Uh, you know, it's starting to jam up in the heavyweight division. Uh, I'm going to call you out here, Dana. Dana White, you, you need to get your stuff together and figure out what the heavyweight division is doing. Is Francis Ngannou going to uh, fight? Is John Jones going to fight? Is is uh, Miocic going to fight? If those people are going to fight, then put them in fights and book them for fights. And if they don't want to fight, tell them where the door is. At this point, forget what they could do at other places because they're making you zero dollars by dragging this out. There are, you know, you got Cyril gone. You've got Sergey Pavlovich. You have just more than a handful of guys at the top of the division now. What are you going to do? 
you've got such a backlog that I mean even even if Sergey were to say yeah I'd like a title shot and you said yeah I'll give you a title shot uh, I'll put you in line for a title shot I mean if he's third or fourth down he could be two or three years out what's he gonna do just sit there you gotta get the heavyweight division under control good for Sergey Pavlovich thought it was fantastic and uh, good for him like I said Tatu of us will be back it's uh, the return of the shoey but Sergey with a great performance um, lastly uh, there is one a couple other winners I'm gonna mention but Jack the Joker Hermanson against Roman Delees man this is a good fight this was a spectacular fight it goes to round number two, four minutes and six seconds into the round. We get the TKO victory from Roman Deliz. Uh he, he dropped the Joker. He was starting to get him on the ropes, and uh, Joker went in to try to counter, and uh, Deliz got him. He absolutely got him. So uh, good for Roman Deliz. Joker Jack will be back. We know that. Uh, but... Uh, Roman is now 12-1, and one, and he's beating some solid people. That ain't just, oh, he's won a lot. He's beating the right people. So we'll see what he does after that. Um, real quickly, good for Eric Anders for his TKO stoppage against Kyle Dawkins. Dawkins's brother is fighting on this week's card, and I feel like he's potentially fighting for... Um, family pride and the family being in the UFC because after coming in with the as, as a, a little bit of a house of fire both Dawkinses have underperformed so uh, Eric Andrews fantastic for him I believe he won a national title with Alabama in football and uh, then ended up on this career path uh, just spectacular performance by him uh, two uh, two and a half minutes into round number two, he stops Kyle Dawkins. Uh, he he had Dawkins on the ropes early. Uh, good for Eric Anders. Um, Phil Rowe over Nico Price. That was a good TKO almost at the end of the fight. Angela Hill with a unanimous decision win over Emily Ducati. Captain Caveman, as I like to call him, Clay Guida with a split decision over Scott Holtzman. I don't know what Holtzman seemed to think about that because I would say, Scott, you, you lost the fight. I, I, I don't know what judge gave you. It was close, but well, I don't think it should have been a split. It should have been unanimous. But either way, Captain Caveman gets his 38th victory uh, in that one. Uh, and there was another one. What was... Maybe it was that one. It was uh, uh, Nathan Levy and Gennaro Valdez uh, great lightweight battle this thing is unanimous decision for uh, Nathan Levy this was a really really fun fight I liked it a lot of people said uh, maybe there was enough action then some people said there wasn't enough action I liked it I thought both these guys went out there and proved that they are uh, good lightweights and in the end Levy gets the win and, and he deserved it he probably controlled 65, 70%. I would say. But uh, overall, good fight night. You know, some of these fight night cards kind of fall apart sometimes. And they're just like, you know, what do you do? 
well, you uh, just pivot and do what you can because up next we get to talk about the upcoming UFC 282. And this card has had some issues. It loses its main event because Yura Prohaska is hurt. He is hurt to a point where they are stripping him of the title, which I think is stupid because everybody else, when they get hurt and they're the champ, or if you're Francis Ngannou, you can just hold on to it and just parade around the world as the world champ, um, even though you haven't fought in like, what, a year? I, Francis, so you're just, apparently you're my target today. Um, and they asked his opponent, Glover Teixeira, they said, well, uh, do you want to still have um, the title shot? Uh, you know, because we're taking it from, we're taking it from Yuri. Do you want to face Magomed Ankalaev on short notice for the belt and Glover said no I trained to fight Yuri um, so I will either fight Yuri or I will go through another training camp and fight someone else and they said alright so the main event was off so what do you do well you look at the co-main event and the co-main event was also in the light heavyweight division. It was Jan Blahovich is going to take on Magomed Ankalaev. Here's the funny thing, and i, I got to say this because Uncle Chael, the last known as Chael Sean, he is not actually my uncle, it's just something people call him. Uh, uncle Chael makes this point, and he makes a lot of points. A lot of people think he's, he's full of hot air, but no. Chael makes a lot of really good points. And Ch Chael says... Ankalaev has the ultimate opportunity after the uh, the unfortunate way that he won against Anthony Smith, where Anthony Smith got got uh, injured and and had to kind of withdraw from the fight. But he says uh, Ankalaev, they put the microphone in his face, they give him the microphone after all of this, and all he has to do is say, "I want a title shot next." And so they say, Magomed Ankalaev, and I think it was. Might have even been Cormier, D.C., that did this. Magomed, what do you want next? What do you see on deck? All he has to do is say, I want Yuri, and he would probably get, would have gotten the fight over Glover. No, what does he say? He says, I want Jan Blahovich. What? I want Jan Blahovich. Literally, though, all he has to do is say, I mean... Chael made a, a good, a, a good analogy with it. He's like, seriously, there's four or five people who had a claim that could have said, "I want a title shot," and if Ankalaev is going to take himself off the mountain, why he decided to glunt Jan Blahovich with him is just baffling. But it had a weird way of working out because. All of a sudden, the title match is taken off the card because of Yuri's injury. And this match gets bumped up, and now it's for the light heavyweight title. I don't know if it's in the room or not. I think it's a straight-up title. So, Ankalaev, who decided to fall off the mountain, grabs Jan Blahovich as he's falling and decides, yeah, we should fall together. And they somehow bounce back up to the top of the mountain. 
How does that happen? But good for them. Good for them. It had a way of working out. Things have a weird way of working out sometimes. But uh, either way, this is now the main event. Uh, I think you just lose a fight out of it. A lot of people think that, you know, you can't count out Blahovich. I got to agree. A lot of people say that Ankalaev's riding that momentum train that he possibly would have beat Anthony Smith anyway. Well, there is that possibility. We won't know until they face again. But who do I got in this fight? Give me Ankalaev. Give me Ankalaev. I very much think that's that's who is going to win this fight. Uh, it's another personal yawn. I think yawn is fantastic. But I just feel like Magomed is just going to do some things that Jan is not going to know. Not going to know what, what, uh, he's not going to have a fast enough response to it. We'll put it that way. Uh, but, uh, I'll take Uncle Iev. In the now co-main event. In the now co-main event, we're going to get... Patty Pimblett versus Jared Gordon. This is going to be a fun fight. They have very similar records. Uh, Patty understands to play up the persona and to put on a show, which is why he chases submissions a lot. He has every right to chase a submission. He's pretty dang good at him. But Jared Gordon is not here to lose. He didn't sign up for this fight to be the next, the next notch on the belt of Patty Pimlet. He signed up on this to be the guy that puts Patty Pimlet on his belt. This is going to be a fun fight. It's going to be a really fun fight. I still got to go with Patty the Batty. Until proven otherwise, I got to go with the hot hand. Uh, you know, keep in mind, at, at some point, maybe Pimlet runs into his... Molly McCann moment where he, he his luck kind of runs out and there is somebody who bests him. There is that possibility. I just don't know that Jared Gordon's going to be that. So I will take Patty Pimblett in that one. In a short notice fight because his initial opponent had to drop out, I believe it was because of an injury. I'm not 100% on that. But Santiago Ponzinibbio, who quite possibly has one of the greatest either Bond villain or just overall fight names. That's a fantastic name. Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio is going to face Alex Morano. It's part of the catch weight because it is very last minute that Morano is stepping in. Uh, it's great that Morano could step in. It's great that Ponzinibbio decided that he, w he was okay with facing him. Uh, Murano is not an easy night. It's going to be a tough fight for Santiago. Uh, catchweight always throws me off because it technically doesn't count for your division. And I understand why, but... So so then what? So Ponzinibbio doesn't move up or down. He just sits there because of uh, his opponent was out? Just kind of weird. Uh, I'm still taking Ponzinibbio, but if this thing went two and a half rounds, it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Match number four. We get Darren Till against Drikus Duplessis. 
I think it's Duplessis. Could be Duplessis. Uh, Drikus, he has put on a show for us in the last couple fights to where uh, he his name value is up there. He is actually the slight favorite over the returning Darren Till. Uh, this is going to be interesting. I'm a big Darren Till fan. Like a lot of those English fighters. Uh, big Darren Till fan, but Jerikas is coming in on a little bit of a hot streak. Um, I know I told you guys I'm a Darren Till fan. I'm going to take Duplessis. I'm going to take Duplessis in that fight. Just, uh, I have a feeling. Don't know. And he's a favorite, so it's not like I'm really going much out on limb, but I just think Duplessis is going to find a way to beat Darren Till. I just feel it. And then lastly, on the main card, Bryce Mitchell is going to face Ilya Tapuria. This is fun. This is going to be fun. Bryce Mitchell is an underdog at 15-1. and one. He's a plus 120, which is not a big underdog, but his opponent, Ilya Tapuria, is a minus 140 favorite. He's also 12 and up. This is this is going to be fun. It's going to put a blemish on one of them's record. Um, Bryce Mitchell is just a, a junkyard dog. He's going to go out there and just sling it. I am going to go with Ilya Tapuria. I don't know. Just uh, feel like he's undefeated for a reason. Bryce Mitchell probably should be. I think his... I want to say one his his loss was like... His one loss was like on the Ultimate Fighter or something, just something so random that it, it, I, that's what I think. But uh, yeah, I'll take Tapuria. Some other things on this card you should watch. Here it is. Here, uh, Chris Dawkins is fighting Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Um, if Dawkins can get it to the ground. If I get it to the ground, both of them, not just him laying there, then uh, then Jorginho could be in a little bit of trouble. But if Chris Dawkins decides he wants to trade punches with Jorginho Rosenstruck, yeah, he he might as well just pack his own him and his brother's bags. That uh, it is <laughs> it is not going to go well if he decides to stand and and, and trade blows. Um, I do not know anything. I have not heard anything from the UFC as far as that. I just, from other media people and, and other discussions I've had with people, I just feel like if the Dawkinses continue to underperform, they're both going to be out sooner rather than later. Just, I just have a feeling. Um, I would, I'm, I'm taking Zorginho in that. I don't want the Dawkinses gone particularly, but I also understand that it's about making money and having interesting fights. And if you have people that cannot uh, perform to that level, then I, I understand. It's, you know, it would happen in your job. If there is somebody that they want to do a particular job, as long as they're doing that job at a good level, that's fine. If they do it above that level, that's fine too. If they're under the minimum requirement level, you, you gotta consider somebody else. If you can't get them to come up to that level, you gotta consider somebody else. And uh, I, I just think that's it's one of the unfortunate parts of the business, but that's that's where Dana's head's going to be at. Um, other fights to look at: you're going to get Edmund Shabazian against Dolce Lunguambula. That's going to be a fun fight. Um, I like Shabazian in that. 
Chris Curtis and Joaquin Buckley. If you don't know Joaquin Buckley or Chris Curtis, you should look them up. Chris Curtis always brings it. Has uh, high intensity, a high pace. Really, really good fighter. Uh, Joaquin Buckley has some of the cooler, crazier knockouts, including that spinning heel kick he did, uh, what, last summer? Maybe this summer, even. Uh, but he's had some pretty cool knockouts. Had some underperformance as well. That's going to be a really fun fight. And... I mean, the show's going to open with uh, Cameron Saban versus Steven Koslow. I think that's going to be a fun fight. Cameron is a big favorite in it, the South African. But uh, Steven Koslow can sling it if he needs to. I think that's going to be... Uh, Really good, really good. And that's all on pay-per-view, by the way. Also on pay-per-view, you're going to get Bellator 289. Bellator 289. I know what you're thinking. After those UFC cards, what could Bellator possibly do to compete with that? Oh, I don't know. How about the semifinal for the Bantamweight World Grand Prix? And not only that, here's what they do in their Grand Prix. If you are the champion and you are in the, in the bracket, uh, you defend your belt if you fight. Well, Raphael Stotts won it last time. He is the current bantamweight champion. He will be facing Danny Sabatello, who looks like one of the Law Ziggler brothers. But it, it doesn't matter. Uh, Sabatello can fight. 13-1-0 versus 18-1-0. Sabatello is a good bit... Taller, he's about three inches taller. Uh, it's, it's it's interesting. Stotts, he's such a great striker that people don't remember he is an all-world wrestler. All-world. I know Sabatello has come out and said, well, he, being Sabatello, is a uh, Division One wrestler where Stotts did it at other places. Uh, wrestling's wrestling, last time I checked, bud. Wrestling's wrestling. Sabatello is going to try to shoot. He's going to try to do a lot of things here, uh, which I think is his advantage, is have his athleticism and intensity. But Stotts is cool, calm, and collected. The only thing that I've noticed is that later in fights, we're talking late second into the third round, sometimes there's not as much sting on his combos, and they kind of they slow up a little bit. Uh, this is going to be a five-round fight. I think he Stotts has trained for that. I know Sabatello has. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a really fun fight. Um, Sabatello is fun because he loves to talk trash. He, I've heard him say all kinds of things. There are limits, and I like that he said there are limits. He will not go after your family and things like that, but uh, everything else is fair game. It's good when they go back and forth like this. They they were I think they were on Ariel's show and they almost got into it. Ariel kind of had to be referee and Ariel's not that big of a guy compared to these two and uh, it it almost got a little hairy there. But um, in the end, I know you guys can tell which way I'm probably leaning. Um, I'm a little biased. I have I have um, I have went back and forth. A little bit with Raphion on Twitter, uh, no, on Instagram. Super guy, super guy. Um, maybe we can have him on the show sometime. I, I would love to have Danny Sabatello as well. I've heard interviews with him. 
he sounds fantastic. Uh, I just think that Raphael Stotts is coming in with too much momentum, too much skill, and uh, the champion's advantage. So uh, I am taking Stotts over Sabatello in this one. We also have a another title match as the co-main event as Liz Carmouche is going to defend the women's flyweight belt against Juliana Velasquez. This is going to be fun. This is going to be another fun fight. Um, there's a, a lot of people, it's about 60-40, they are siding with Juliana Velasquez. Uh, but Liz Carmouche didn't win a raffle to be the women's flyweight belt. No, she, she defeated the champion. And if Juliana Velasquez is, has any hopes of leaving with the title belt, she's going to have to do it by beating Liz Carmouche. I gotta kind of side with where the the crowd is on this one too. I'm going Juliana Velasquez in this one. I think she's coming in with uh, the youth and the speed. I am not in any way saying anything about the age of Liz Carmouche. I am just saying I think the freshness of Velasquez is going to eventually wear down Carmouche, and I think Juliana has the skills to win this. Should be really really good. In the other side of the Bantamweight World Grand Prix, we are going to get Patchy Mix. Patchy's so great. A lot of people are like, well, he's lost a bunch recently. Has he? Last time I checked his record, it was 16-1-0. He's lost one time. Patchy Mix is really good, guys. Patchy Mix is going to take Magomed Magomedov. As you guys have figured out here recently, they, this is not... Uh, some crazy statement. There's no ill will sent by it. Um, if you have the word Magomed somewhere in your name, you are probably really, really good. All the people here recently, all those Dakistani fighters, there are multiple groups of them. It is not just the Khabib group, but they are slowly taking over everything. They have some of the best fighters, grapplers, wrestlers, uh, just the way they train is is insane. Uh, you hear people going to hear people going to train with them because it's just different. It's just different how they do things. Uh, this is going to be really good. Uh, they're they're pretty much the same size. They have about the same record. Uh, looks about sixty forty for Magomed. I would normally go with Magomed for that for a lot of the reasons I just outlined, but I am gonna say Patchy Mix is gonna win this. We're gonna get Raphael Stotts versus Patchy Mix. It is going to be great. It's gonna be a great final. I'll be honest. Any of those, whatever combination of those four, we end up in the final is gonna be great. I think it's gonna be Patchy Mix, and I think it's gonna be Raphael Stotts. That's just where I sit on that. Uh, also on the main card, last one on the main card will be Dalton Rasta versus Anthony Adams in the middleweight feature fight. Rasta comes in with seven wins and no losses on his record. Anthony Adams is nine and two. A lot of people are going Dalton Rasta in this one. Dalton, you know, come in seven and zero, oh, doing really good. But last time I checked, 
Anthony Adams can still fight, guys. I think Anthony is going to find a way to hand Dalton Rasta his first loss. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's just that whole card is loaded. That it just I say that a lot, but my goodness. It looks like the prelims are going to start at 525 this Friday on Showtime. And also, I think the prelims are on YouTube, maybe? Something like that. And then at 9 o'clock is the main card, of course. Uh, I'm just going to run over the fights in the prelims. You got Cass Bell against Jared Scoggins. Two scary-looking bantamweights, I tell you that. Uh, Mark Leminger is going to take on Michael Lombardo in the welterweight division. Is there a lot of welterweights now? That's going to be fun. Uh, Kai Kamaka III is going to take on Kevin Boehm. Pat Downey's on this fight card, guys. Pat Downey at 1-0 is going to take on Christian Eccles. Look, it's like this. If Pat Downey is going to be the next big prospect, he's got to take out people like Christian Eccles. Christian Eccles, this is his opportunity to put his name in the sky. You take down Pat Downey, I don't care if it was a second fight or not. You take down Pat Downey, who's got all this hype around him, you elevate yourself. Uh, that being said, I would go with Pat Downey, but hey, Christian Eccles wants to step up and, and be the hero today. Good for him. Uh, Cody Law is going to face Chris Lencioni in the featherweight division. In the welterweight division, you're going to get Kyle Crutchmer against Jaleel Willis. Uh, fan favorite Denise Kierholtz, or Kilholtz is going to be uh, in flyweight action against Lara uh, Joanne. Uh, it's a bunch of big fights. bunch of big fights, guys. Um, like I said, Showtime is where you'll find all those. I think pay-per-view and probably through ESPN or Bleacher Report or one of those, you can probably find UFC. But that is all of the MMA news that we have for now. When we come back from a break, we will talk some uh, WWE and other pro wrestling action. But for now, let's take a break and tell you about our friends at BetOnline.net. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact York from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Strong Style. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They have the articles. They have the podcast. They have the betting and wagering line. So it just makes you a smarter, better fan. You'll be able to win debates with people because you'll know the actual knowledge. And if you're so inclined or you're at a place where you're available to do that, if you want to uh, place bets, then you can very much do that. Uh, but make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. Net. Now, let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's go some WWE, right? Let's go WWE. We'll start with 
Monday Night Raw. Uh, looks like Bailey and Becky are going to get into a little program coming up pretty soon. That should be great because both of them are high-level competitors, and they're both kind of trying to make comebacks after big injuries. Those kind of things happen. Uh, it continues to baffle me how they just randomly change people's name, as it seems like uh, Meechin is the new name we're going with now. Her and Rhea are getting into it, as they should. Dominic continues to be a lost puppy who just follows Rhea around. This uh, is starting to sound more like As the World Turns and not Monday Night Raw. But it's it's just so the, o the OC and the, the Judgment Day can get into their little mix. It's it's giving them something to do. It's, it's not really helping or hurting the show. It just happens to be what they're doing. Um, they keep trying to make it seem like Kevin Owens is going to be the next contender to go at Roman Reigns. Now, they did it before, but they completely botched it and screwed it up. So uh, he definitely didn't win that time. But, uh, you know, maybe this time's a little different. We're not sure what they're actually going to do. We're never sure what they're going to do. But KO versus Roman Reigns, could it, it could I could see where that could potentially be either WrestleMania or Royal Rumble. That's They're going to shoot for something big. That's, that's kind of like, you know, you don't have Brock Lesnar on uh, one of your B or C shows. You put him on the big show. Um, the fact that Austin Theory is actually getting some really good bookings and the fact that Seth Rollins is the one that seems to be putting him over a lot should tell you a lot about what Triple H actually thinks about Austin Theory. If he didn't like the kid, he wouldn't be there. And two, Seth Rollins has a lot of clout and, and wields a pretty big stick in, in WWE. He could easily veto a storyline if, if he didn't think it was going to do anything so the fact that he's willing to help theory out he sees that this kid's got something and he could actually be something down the road i, I kind of pay attention to that we also also keep in mind we've heard no preliminary reports no official reports or anything like that but cody rhodes has got to be pretty close to coming back i know he was taking applications for his wrestling school with his brother here soon but i feel like cody is is a lot closer to coming back than uh, being away. Uh, Loomis beat The Miz. He'll get his contract on Raw. Gargano had something to do with it a little bit, too. They, they drew that out so long that people don't care anymore. It, we, we knew Dexter Loomis was going to be on Raw. He's on Raw now. Uh, the Miz looks underhanded and, and goofy. Well, that's The Miz. Now... The last couple matches that they had on Raw were probably two of the best they've had in a while. Having Dakota Kai versus Candice LeRae. Poison Pixie, of course, gets the win, but her and Dakota Kai must have some sort of chemistry from before, some sort of rift, because they went out there and just hammered each other. It was actually a really, really good match. Really technical, but really brutal. And then Kevin Owens took on Jay Uso. Of course, Kevin Owens wins. But the fact that big-time Jay Uso, who is known to be just a tag team guy, Jay Uso did a really good job 
he stayed with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is one of the best performers on the planet right now. And yet Jey Uso made it look like that he's been in the big time just as long as KO. Uh, good on him for doing that. That's a good match. You should go back and watch that one. If you get a chance to, go back and watch that one. SmackDown, of course, opens up with Sami Zayn versus Sheamus with all of their entourage around them. Uh, Sami Zayn gets the win in this one. It seems like he is riding the rocket that WWE has strapped to him. It's about time he got a push like this instead of being just a little peon that lays down for people. Um, Sheamus is a perfect guy to do that, to help him out with that. But, I believe it was Ariel. We'll bring him up again. Ariel Hawani come up with the idea. He said, uh, bear with him on this. But, what if Sami Zayn eventually gets himself kicked out of the bloodline, falls out of favor with Roman, or Roman turns on him. Uh, then Sami wins the Royal Rumble. And somehow leapfrogs Kevin Owens. And at WrestleMania, we get Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns, kind of as a revenge thing. And Sami's the one to beat Roman and take the belt off of him after multiple years as the champion. I'll be honest, Ariel, you've had worst ideas. I think this one's... I think this one's pretty good. That's, that's not bad at all. I think that, that would sell quite well. We'll see what they do on it. More than likely, WWE Creative screws this up, but it's not a bad idea. They continue to have random segments with Bray Wyatt. Uh, the 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 best one to me was a couple weeks ago when Killer Cross and Scarlet are talking to the Usos in the back, and the Usos want to know if Killer Cross is going to join the War Games team against them. And Killer Cross says, no, you let Roman know I'm coming for him, but he'll know when I'm coming for him, and it ain't at War Games. Fair enough. Cross has got to build up anyway, we know that. But if you look in the background, Bray Wyatt looks like he's having a conversation with somebody, and there's nobody else back there. Nobody. He is having a conversation with the wall or his imaginary friend. I'm not sure who he's talking to. But it is an in-depth conversation. There is emotions going on. I've been accused of talking to the wall. He looked like he was doing it. That was the most entertaining thing I have seen Bray Wyatt do in, in a couple months now since he's been back. Uh, I don't know who this this Uncle something character that's, that's with it, but it's giving layers to something that didn't have it before. Maybe they'll do him right this time. The fact that Gunther continues to be the United States champion, or Intercontinental champion, rather, I think really speaks volume to where they really want to elevate him to the main event level, but it's so log-jammed right now that there's just not any room for him. So for now, they're letting him and, and Imperium kind of do their thing the way they did in NXT, and they're keeping the secondary title on him. Because he's a he's a good ambassador for it. Uh, he picked up a win over Kofi. Kofi is a solid competitor, and uh, 
it's it's just interesting to see what they're going to do with Kofi and Xavier Woods with the New Day. They've kind of been in this weird gray area, this weird... They're just in a weird spot. They're not going for the tag titles. They just had their, their streak broken. They're not really contenders for anything. They're just uh, almost mascots. They just come out every week and do some fun little bits and skits and... I'll just be interested. I just want to see what they're going to do because they're just, I don't know, they're better than that. But we all know when creative has nothing for you, you usually don't get to do much. Um, damage Control came out and then Liv Morgan came out to confront them, which was interesting. But the more interesting thing was the person who come to save Liv once damage control was starting to beat her down. We got to see the return of Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox with this another release from from the uh when Triple H was sick time period. And now that Triple H is back, he seems to have re signed the majority of the people that were let go. And he's fixed NXT in about three weeks. Imagine that. But uh I don't know what Tegan Knox is going to do going forward. I just know that she came back. She looks to be in good shape, good health. So maybe her and Liv team up to uh, maybe go for some tag titles or things like that with damage control. But definitely good to see her back. She's one of the better competitors they had in NXT. See what she does on SmackDown. We got to see the end of the World Cup tournament. As Escobar took on Ricochet. What a great tournament that ended up being. They're so, you know, worldly represented when you got Sami Zayn from Canada and you got, uh, let's see, they did Ricochet from, from America, of course. Um, Escobar from Mexico. They had Sheamus from Ireland. They, they, I mean, they had a great representation. I thought they did it well. A lot of their tournaments make no sense. This one was pretty good. And in the end, it didn't matter how much Legado del Fantasma were interfering in all this to help Escobar. Ricochet ends up with the victory. That is a great nod to him. As, you know, he had a decent title run going with the Intercontinental title until Gunther got put on SmackDown, and then he immediately dropped it. So this was a good win for him. This is, you know, kind of like winning a Battle Royal or things like that goes on your resume makes you look good so good on him we'll see what they do with it i i don't know that it much will really become of it but it's actually a good nod nxt here lately they're all going to the nxt deadline which is coming up uh this weekend i believe, I believe it's is it saturday saturday and this is one of the rare events for NXT where it's not just on a Tuesday in the normal time slot. This is an actual pay-per-view. I believe it's streamed on WWE Network. Uh, it'll be in the Performance Center, which is their home base. And they're debuting a new match called the Iron Survivor Challenge. They got the male and the female that I've n I don't know if it's just you put them in there for like 30 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever, all the competitors, and 
whoever gets the most pinfalls or submissions in whatever allotted time period. I don't know. I just hope it's not as, as pointless and all over the place crazy as the things TNA used to do. But your matches for this one. Uh, you get Alba Fire versus Isla Dawn. Now the Isla Dawn showed up. They haven't done a whole lot with it, but these two know each other from NXT UK. More than likely, I would see Isla Dawn picking up the win because we've not seen her in another match up until now. I would see that she probably is going to win over Alba Fire. We'll take Alba Fire back out of the, the title picture and it'll start like another mini feud the way they've done with J.D. McDonough and practically anybody. You're going to get pretty deadly. Elton Prince and Kit Wilson are going to defend their tag titles against, yeah, bad foreshadow on my, on, on my part, uh, the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Did I say we're in a weird spot? Well, they're actually going to challenge for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Outside of something underhanded, if the New Day don't win this, they should consider just leaving the company because they they... They scrape things better than pretty deadly off their shoes every night. It would make no sense to go all the way down there just to, to lose that. So something underhanded will probably happen. Your NXT champ, Braun Breaker, is going to defend his title against Apollo Crews. This will be a really good match. If Crews wins, because Braun's going to get brought up, I would imagine, but I don't think they're ready to bring him up because there's not a lot of room for him on Raw or SmackDown. I would say Breaker probably retains. Then we get into the Women's Iron Survivor Challenge that will determine the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. I want to also say that the male champion, who had just said Braun Breaker, is on the card, where Mandy Rose, the female competitor, is not. Don't know why you couldn't find her a match. Kind of interesting. Uh, but you're going to get Zoe Stark... Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez, Kiana James. Good for Kiana to get included in this match, by the way, because she has normally been a lower-to-mid-card performer and gets the bump up into this. And it's not just because they need a people, because they have a roster full of people they could use. But, you know, you add Zoe and Cora and Roxanne that are considered top contenders. You get Kiana James in it. And then Indy Hartwell, who is another one, who is normally a mid-card performer, gets the bump up into this. Yeah, I know a lot of you guys would say, well, I mean, who else were they going to use? Uh, Nikita Lyons? She's probably going to cost Zoe Stark the, the match at some point because those two are going to get into it. Uh, there's a bunch of other people they could have used, but I see this with, that's, that's going to be pretty interesting. I would say... It makes the most sense to me that either Cora Jade or Roxanne Perez will be the ones to probably win this match, but if Zoe Stark somehow found a way to do it, it would not surprise me. I have yet to figure out what is so special about her. I'm just not a fan. I don't get it. But that leads us into the male version of this match, and this one is is just, inc just incredibly insane. You're going to get Axiom. You're going to get Joe Gacy. You're going to get Grayson Waller, J.D. McDonough, who I just mentioned, and Carmelo Hayes. First off, you've got four heels and one face. 
in a match. That's pretty crazy. But I guess you could say Joe Gacy is not really good nor bad. He's uh, trying to lead Schism. He's got the Rock's daughter in it. Uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, we'll see what they can do with that. But you gotta think that this match. You could make a case that if Carl Melo's Hayes wins, it bumps him into the next bracket. Uh, this could be how J.D. McDonough finds his way back into a world title picture. This is how Grayson Waller could get his bump up. This is how Joe Gacy could put his on the map. And Axiom's there because he can jump and fly and do fun things and have interesting spots. He's not going to win this match. Um, I would honestly... Well, my pick is... My pick to win the match is also who I would like to win. I think J.D. McDonough is going to win this. I think he's going to take on Braun Breaker for the third time. This will be the second time one-on-one, -on -one, I believe. And I think he's going to be the one to take the title off of him. I think that's what's going to happen. But that leads us into AEW. AEW Dynamite, Moxley and Hangman get in each other's faces. They have to be separated. It takes like 20 minutes for them to basically have what I would say is a middle school fight, which is mostly two guys hugging and rolling around on the ground. Uh, there were a couple stiff shots thrown in there here or there. I don't know if these two actually have animosity or they just have terrible aim because there, there was a couple potatoes thrown there, and uh, neither one of them seemed to like it. Once again, we get a singles match that includes Dax Harwood. I don't know if that means Cash Wheeler is injured and you know, they'll perform at the moment, but he took on Brian Danielson, one of the best technical wrestlers probably on the planet. Danielson, of course, wins, but Dax Harwood took him to some different levels. And it's, it's always interesting to me that it's, it's never Cash, it's always Dax. I don't, I don't know if they just consider him the better wrestler of the two, but uh, Dax Harwood could be quite the singles competitor if he ever wanted to be. We got to see A.R. Fox kind of make his semi-debut since officially signing with the company. If I'm not mistaken, he runs the training ground here uh, right outside of Atlanta. W, what is it? WWA4 or WWWA4. Not sure what they're actually calling it now. It used to be ran by Mr. Hughes. Uh, I've seen some really good talent, including Jonathan Gresham, come through there. So if AR Fox is in charge, I'm sure we're going to get some even uh, better talented guys coming out of there soon. In fact, Dexter Loomis, he was called something completely different. Dexter Loomis got his start at that same training ground. Uh, I remember him briefly before he, before he kind of morphed into what he does now. But... Uh, A.R. Fox took on Samoa Joe. Of course, Samoa Joe wins. Uh, we'll get into Ring of Honor Final Battle in a minute. Uh, the more important thing here is that William Regal comes out and that MJF comes out. You know, because Regal slid the brass knuckles to MJF that allowed him to win the match and be world champion. And um, Danielson come down there as well. The talks are is that William Regal is going to leave AEW and go back to the WWE. Now that Triple H is back, that makes a lot of sense. So as the sidebar real quick before we get back into it, 
what is William Regal going to do at WWE? Well, he could be in management. He could be on camera management as a general manager or something like that. He could um, he could be there as a coach and a trainer. He could be there to manage a faction. Or, as was brought to my attention, and I did not know this at all, uh, he could come back to manage his son. Now, the more I look at this guy, it's pretty, pretty apparent that he is William Regal's kid. But I, I really did not know, first off, that, that he had a kid that was in wrestling. And second off, that he was actually pretty good. And for those who don't know who his kid is, um, Charlie Dempsey. Charlie Dempsey that has recently been back on TV for NXT. He's been in, uh, I think he faced Andre Chase a few times with the Chase U stuff. Uh, Dempsey is a really good old school style wrestler, very much like Regal. So maybe Regal's coming back to kind of help give him the boost or give him a little bit of a push. Or for all we know, maybe he's not leaving. These are all just speculative rumors until they actually happen. But it also would make sense if AEW kept him around long enough to pair him up with MJF and make him an even bigger star. MJF's only like 26, guys. He's got plenty of time left. Plenty of time ahead. Um, I want to see what they do with Ricky Starks. I keep telling you guys he's going to be a star sooner rather than later. He had a good match with Ari Davari. That, I don't know, Ricky Starks continues to get these little small victories that kind of start to add up over time. But it's never really in a big picture. I'm kind of waiting to see when they put him into something a little better. We got to see the Elite take on the Death Triangle in matchup number three of the seven they are going to do. Remember, Death Triangle has won the first two. Well, the Elite got a little bit of revenge here. They very underhandedly, very Elite-like. In fact, led by led by Captain Kenny Omega there. They underhandedly found their way to pick up victory number one. That makes the series two to one. Death Triangle, I still say, when you get those six people involved, you got to watch it. You just 100% have got to watch it. This moves us to AEW Rampage. Darby Allen took on Cole Carter. Cole Carter's pretty good. Um, I think him and Darby know each other from somewhere down the line. You know, Cole Carter was recently on NXT. He was one of the, uh, the, the D'Angelo goons that they, once he left the company, they made it seem like they threw him in the river. Yeah, classy, we know. But uh, Darby gets the win there. Darby seems to want to call out some other people. We'll see what comes of it. Because uh, he's a big talent. I love that they try to build around him. But then sometimes they just like run him into a wall. And that's and as much as he enjoys running into walls and falling off of them. It just, you back yourself into a corner. And I think he's better than that. And what was by far... 
it's not just something fun that I said on Instagram to, to acknowledge the person I'm about to say. Uh, having Keith Lee get called out by Shane Taylor from Shane Taylor Promotions was one of the highlights of the show. Possibly the best moment of the show. And there were some really good ones. But if Shane Taylor, I know this is just for a Ring of Honor match, but if they can find a way to get him into AUW, he is one of the most gifted athletes on the planet. And you look at him and you may not think so, but that guy can perform. And I'll get into his role here in a minute. Uh, the Acclaimed came out and they were talking to Renee, Renee Young, and uh, then the Gun Club come out, and then Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Satinum soon come out. Of course, with Sanjay Dutt, because they can't go anywhere without the mascot. And then FTR come out. And they walk right past the other two teams and go into the ring. And then the Acclaimed shake hands. And that means this week we're going to get it. the Acclaimed defending their tag titles against FTR, who already have three sets of belts. I don't know if that means they're going to have four sets or they're going to have the acclaimed actually beat FTR, which would be a big feather in the young team's caps. At some point, we're going to get some four-team matchup. But for now, if we can get FTR versus the acclaimed, that's must-see. Uh, they had Athena run over somebody named Danny Moe because they're trying to build her up so she can take on Mercedes at Final Battle that we'll talk about in a minute. It just, once again, they rushed to put somebody into a big spot, and she deserves to be in the big spot, but there's little to no build-up, so you don't believe at all that she has a chance to win the match. It'd be like if a magician pulled somebody out of the crowd and said, hey, I'm going to perform the trick over here, you perform the trick over there, and we'll see who does it the best. Well, I'm going to side with the magician who's been doing it for a while. Unless he just randomly pulls another magician out of the crowd, yeah, he's going to do it way better. And then what ended up being a really good match that turned into a greater moment in finale, Orange Cassidy defended his All-American title against QT Marshall in a Lumberjack match. That, of course, got all the people involved. It means the Lumberjacks end up fighting more than the people in the ring. Uh, Penelope Ford got up there and distracted Orange Cassidy, which was interesting, so that uh, Kip Sabian, her fiance I don't did they ever get married maybe husband I don't know other other half we'll go that way was able to try to take out orange it didn't work he still beat QT but it's good to see Kip Sabian actually did something other than wear a paper bag on his head and a suit but the best moment or the second best moment because the Shane Taylor moment was the best the second best that has now become one of my favorite things in AEW is when the House of Black comes out and completely annihilates any and everybody in the way. And they absolutely did that. Absolutely did that. House of Black moments are the new best segments of AEW. Have no idea what point they're trying to make, have no idea what they're trying to do, but the fact that they come out and just clear the deck is uh, almost like comic relief. It's really fun. New Japan this week we got to see Will Ospreay defend his United States title against Tetsuya Naito. One of uh, my nephew's favorites. He loves Naito. 
Um, Osprey wins this. This thing went like 36 and a half minutes or something like that, but these two just know each other so well that every time one would go for a signature move, the other would counter it or would uh, mirror it, and it would just, it ended up being literally 30 minutes of just nonstop action, which is unparalleled. I don't know many people that can wrestle that long without taking some sort of break. In the end, Osprey keeps his belt. I would imagine these two are going to see each other down the road again soon. Osprey's next title contender, though, um, this is another one of the guys over there that like randomly show up. I, I don't know if he was in another company or something, but this guy come down to the ring. They kept calling him Roughneck. He's uh, Shota Umino. Maybe you guys know him better than me. Leave questions, comments, suggestions, all those kind of things in all the appropriate places. Heck, send me an email. Tell me who Shota Roughneck Umino is. I kind of Googled him a little bit. I still don't really know. But apparently that's going to be his next challenger. I look forward to seeing that match. Because just because I don't know who he is doesn't mean he's not really good. Impact Wrestling, they have some some good things going and it's more about the things they don't have going right now the bully ray stuff where he's doing despicable things like grabbing wrestlers wives and try and trying to hit them with steel chairs you guys know who bully is he doesn't need a funny catchphrase or anything like that he's always kind of been this backstabbing underhanded guy on screen he always is and yet they're actually playing it up, and they're doing it well. They're getting to where Scott Demore gets mad at him all the time and throws his headset. It's not really proving anything, though. Bully is bully. He's going to probably eventually get the belt. That's fine with me, because you guys know I'm not a Josh Alexander fan at all. And it's time to, to change it up. They keep making parallels between Josh Alexander and Kurt Angle. I don't see it. Outside, they wear similar outfits. That's about it. I don't see it. But uh, in that case, I guess go bully Ray. I don't, I don't agree at all with with uh, using anybody's uh, family in a storyline. But I mean, Impact Wrestling's got to do something. You got a killer roster, and you got a bunch of third graders writing your show. So, got to do something. Uh, there was kind of a funny moment where Moose was trying to call out somebody after beating Bupinder Gujar and as he tried to call out somebody he's like you know how it is you say his name and he appears well you say those words and it's like saying Beetlejuice three times Joe Henry's, mu Henry's music hits and out he comes and Moose just looked at him like are you the limo driver who are you and Joe Henry said well you said say his name and he appears here I am. And so that, that led to a fun moment. If Moose and Joe Hendry get into it, that's going to be a fun feud. A lot of you guys know who Moose is. You've seen him wrestle for the last handful of years. He's a really good. He's gotten really, really good. He's way better as a pro wrestler than he ever was as a lineman for the Atlanta Falcons. But, you know, you could probably make a pretty good case for a handful of people that way. And Joe Hendry, Hendry is one of the, the up-and-coming performers. You guys are going to like him. Moose and Joe Hendry, you, you'll tune in for. Um, 
they had Macklin get mad and attack Kaz. So what? I, it's just trying to. It, you're using Kaz to put over Macklin and make him seem bigger, even though Macklin has lost every big match he's had. Uh, in all honesty, the biggest highlight in Impact Wrestling that Steve Macklin has had is he married the best female wrestler on their roster, Deanna Peraza. That's probably his highlight. Because outside of that, he's lost every big match. I, I don't get it. They love hiring ex-military wrestlers. Macklin is one. He's a great one. Just hasn't amounted to anything. Um, we got to see that the Motor City Machine Guns are going to eventually challenge for the tag belts against Rhino and Heath. That should be a pretty good match. It's a weird matchup. Um, I'm curious how long Rhino sticks it out. He's got to be close to calling it. He's just not quite there yet. And Heath is still underrated. Speaking of Perazzo, we got to see Deanna Perazzo versus Mickey James. Where Mickey's just in that boat where the next time she loses, she's supposedly going to hang it up. That probably means she's just going to leave this company, go to another one, and keep wrestling. Probably the NWX. But even if she sticks to it, next time she loses. So, Perazzo actually rolled her up and tried to use the tights. And instead, Mickey used that to roll her up, kind of roll all the way through, and actually pulled her tights. And were able to pick up the victory there, which surprised Perazzo that Mickey would go to those links, but if your career's on the line, you would too. The more important part of this is that Jordan Grace come down and said, uh, alright, kind of enough playing around. If it's the next time you lose that you're out, then I want to be that person. And so it's your, your wrestling career versus my title belt. Now we're getting somewhere. Because you could make the argument either way. Either Mickey's about to be the champ, or Jordan Grace is going to put that notch in her belt to make her herself even bigger. But finally, real quickly, I'll go over the Ring of Honor final battle match card. It's actually got some pretty good gems in it. We're going to see Swerve in our glory. Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. They're going to take on Shane Taylor and J.D. Griffey. I'll be honest, I have no idea who J.D. Griffey is, but I will tell you that if people like Keith Lee and Shane Taylor are in a match, you should watch it. Samoa Joe is going to defend his Ring of Honor Television Championship against Juice Robinson. If you don't know who Juice Robinson is, I implore you to go to YouTube and find out. He is the better half of Tony Storm, and he is also a uh, great former prospect of NXT and WWE. He was the last hand-picked prospect by Dusty Rhodes before he passed. And Juice has actually done some really, really good stuff on the indie scene. A lot of it has been in Japan, but a lot of it has been worldwide. You just haven't seen him on TV because we don't get those channels. But him versus Samoa Joe should be really fun. If they built this up even more, I would believe he had a chance to win, but Samoa Joe's going to retain. And in the same thing here, if there was more build-up, I would give Athena more credit. But Mercedes Martinez is going to take on Athena for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. And Mercedes is going to retain. Even though we haven't seen her on TV in four months, Ring of Honor eventually is going to get its own time slot back. Just for now, it's the subsidiary kind of moonlight of AEW. Uh, co-main event is going to be Daniel Garcia against Wheeler Yuta for the Pure Wrestling Championship. 
I don't mind this. I just I feel like there's going to be an underhanded spot to it where Daniel Garcia is going to probably cheat to win, which is the absolute opposite of what the Pure Championship is about. But uh, I, I say Daniel retains. I would like to see Yuta win, but it seems like Yuta's group is breaking up, and it seems like as they're piece by piece falling apart, he's not getting a push anymore. So I'll take Daniel Garcia. And finally, Chris Jericho is going to defend the Ring of Honor World Championship. Yep, the Ocho, Chris Jericho, versus Claudio Castanoli, who he defeated for the belt. If Castanoli loses, he will join the Jericho Appreciation Society, which will actually up their talent level by about a billion. But this is clearly, to me, the situation where Claudio is going to take the belt, and as Ring of Honor splits apart, he is going to probably... As they split off from AEW, he should go over there and be the one to spearhead uh, Ring of Honor being as good as it used to be. And, oh, the only thing, Impact Wrestling, there was a thing at the very end where Eric Young was stabbed by a shank multiple times, even though it was not shown on camera. It was, it was weird. By Diener. Um... It's, be, it's for this reason, guys. It's because Diener is going to take over the Violent by Design group. And he's somebody to take it over. And he's the one that makes sense because Joe Doring is fighting cancer and he's not on TV. If not, it would have been him. But Diener is going to take over. We wish Joe Doring the best in his recovery. We hear he's doing pretty good. And Eric Young is officially done with Impact Wrestling. There's a chance he's going back to WWE. It's a chance it happens in the next month. So they had to get him off camera. What better way than to get him shanked by his former teammate, right? Welcome to Impact Wrestling, where the ideas are from the 80s, and they still think they're relevant. But of all the action going on there, that's going to do it for us this week. Appreciate all you guys tuning in, making it so much fun to come on and talk pro wrestling and MMA. Remember to visit our friends at BetOnline.net, where they have all the great information. That will make you a smarter fan, even if you do not wager or choose not to wager. But I'm Jeremy the Impact York. This has been Strong Style. We'll see you guys next week. Go watch wrestling. Go watch fighting. Deuces, gooses.